Welcome, everybody, to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. I am Abraham Dewey, back with that damn Dirty Duck, Matt Page. And on the boards is Brian, the Soul Man, Soul Black. But enough of those guys. Let's talk about one of our favorite people in the world from the future, StarSeries.com, Joe Doyle. Welcome back, Joe, and I've got my beard this time. Do you guys know, like... <laughs> Do you guys know like four or five people for me to be one of your favorite people? <laughs> we know literally dozens of people. We, yeah. Dozens. We're, dozens. We're in the double digits, thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. How, how big of a bucket is your favorite people? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I, I say every week everybody's the fa- our favorite person. So um, we just wanted you to – we just wanted to kick it off on a nice a – nice, uh, we're going to talk crap about you. With the next guest next week, you know. Yeah, I was going to say you just kind of <laughs> flew in the opposite direction. Now I don't feel special at all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next week we're going to tell. What's going on, man? I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the next guest, Joe, and not you. But no, I'm just kidding. We got to talk about you all because right. baseball just uh, the season just ended. Texas Rangers are your now now your World Series champ, and it's perfect timing to get you on here. And uh, talk a little bit about the season. Talk about uh, your expertise, prospects, and as well uh, a little bit about the Mariners. Um, did you get did you get a chance to take in the least rated, <laughs> least rated World Series of all time, as far as television ratings? Yeah, and no, I actually watched. I watched every game. Um, I did too. I would say like, I feel like I feel like those numbers are a little bit unfair to the Diamondbacks and the Rangers because. Almost every single year, the ratings have been lower than the last, and it's just because everyone's <laughs> cutting the cord. Yeah, like nobody, wa- nobody has cable anymore, and so much of the postseason was on TBS and stuff. So, um, I watched every game. I found it to be a really enjoyable series. Um, you know, outside of the August and September doldrums, I mean, Texas was just—they were the best team in the American League this year for my money, and the most complete team. So. Um, yeah, I think they were a, a well-deserved winner. Fantastic. And uh, what a story the Arizona Diamondbacks are as well, uh, especially with one local kid, uh, Corbin uh, Correll, uh, the outfielder. Um, was he on your sights? Uh, I, I got to admit, uh, up until the All-Star game, I hadn't heard of the guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been following Corbin since 2016 or 2017. I he. Lakeside kid, if I'm if I remember correctly, he's a Lakeside kid. Um, yep, Lakeside went and saw him yeah. a couple times live. Yeah, went went and saw him a couple of times live as a high schooler, and uh, always kind of blew my mind how much bat speed he had for how small he is. He's he's my size, I'm five nine, one hundred sixty five pounds. Like he's not too much bigger than me, and he's just um, he's a crazy twitchy athlete. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, I actually kind of a funny story if. Um, I don't remember where he went in that draft. I think he went like 12th or 13th or 14th. Um, he was on the top of the Mariners draft board from what I'd heard. So they were actually not going to take, I believe that was the George Kirby year. Uh, they were actually going to take Corbin Carroll if he was there, but they got uh, he got snatched up pretty quick and the rest is history and George Kirby's a Mariner. Yeah, he went 16th overall. Yeah, and the, the George Kirby draft, you're right, yeah. <clears throat> That's unfortunate. It'd be nice to have in the outfield next to Julio, right about now. Yeah, but I mean, what does this rotation look like without Kirby? It's I mean, Seattle did really well. Four point. <laughs> they're gonna Seattle. Seattle's gonna end up with one of the top five players from that 
class and Carroll's probably a top five player from that class. So, you know, if they ended up with someone much worse, sure. We're shaking our head, but uh, they got an all-star can't, can't be too upset. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, while we're talking about the draft, um, last time we spoke was the end of June. It was, uh, I want to say about a week or so before the draft, maybe thereabouts. Um, what do you think of the Seattle Mariners 2023 uh, draft class? I love it. Um, you love it? I thought I, – I love it, yeah. I mean, you get three top 30 picks mm-hmm. and all of the college bats that were going to, you know, be an option for Seattle were off the board uh, at 22. And so, you know, I, I heard I heard Colt Emerson was going to go in the top 12 hours before the draft and another yeah. player fell into another team's lap and it shuffled the cards a little bit as it does it every draft. Yeah. And Emerson falls to 22. And, you know, he looks like the best, arguably the best high school player out of the draft right now. I'd say Walker Jenkins, who went like, what, fifth, um, has a good has a good argument to be made. But Colt Emerson probably opens up the 2024 season as a top 75 prospect in baseball. Maybe he might be top 50 for some sites. Uh, which is which is incredible. I mean, he's going to play the entire the entire 2024 season as an 18 year old. He just turned 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so he's young. He's young, <laughs> really young. Um, and then you look at you know I I think Ty Pete is just full of tools. He's got a tremendously strong frame, and and he was much better than I was expecting. Uh, I liked that pick. And then Johnny Farmello, mm. you know, if they can uh, squeeze some consistency out of his swing. Uh, I, I think all three of these players have all-star potential. So, yeah, I mean, a, a really exciting draft and uh, some interesting arms there on day two and day three. So Emerson's 18. Um, what does his progress – like, what, what is the standard – for those people out there not, not familiar, what's the standard progress for somebody right out of high school versus someone right out of college through the minor leagues? I mean, you basically shift it back one year. Like, college guys are usually up – two years after they're drafted. So think like if, if Seattle would have drafted a college guy in the first round, he probably is up in July or August or September of 2025. Uh, if it's a high schooler, you just shifted a year. So you're probably looking at a guy that's up uh, toward the end of 2026 with Colt Emerson, specifically Emerson, not really Farmelo or Ty Pete. He looks like he could be up with the college guys uh, in late 2025. And he could be the future at, at, uh, at third base for Seattle. So he just looks like a really, really advanced beyond his years uh, type of a bat. I mean, the guy, what did he hit? 400 and, and OPS like 1,100 this year? It's just yeah, unbelievable. What, what do we expect to see at the Aqua Sox? Who do we expect to see at the Aqua Sox next year? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I do wonder a bit if they would even consider starting Colt Emerson in high A. I don't think they will. I think they're going to give him uh, at least a few weeks, a few more weeks in Modesto. I don't think he needs it. Um, okay. But I think he probably starts in, in Modesto. Ty Pete and Johnny Farmello certainly will start in Modesto. Um, I would imagine that Cole Young is probably going to see Arkansas almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of outside of the next year, yeah. So uh, yeah, Everett Everett's in kind of a weird spot. I think once you get to like the end of June and early July, Everett's going to be loaded. 
with some of these 19 year old, 18, 19 year old prospects. But nice. um, yeah, you're going to see guys like the college guys that they took later in the draft. Like you're going to see Ben Williamson up there. Mm-hmm. You're going to see Brock Rodden up there. And they're going to have some really interesting arms, but I would expect most of these high school guys to start at least for a, for a blip in the radar at Modesto. Matt, you bummed out. You're not going to see Cole Young at Aquasox at the Aquasox. Uh, we did. Right. Well, don't you want to see him see more of him? Uh, no, he won't be back. We we you know Brian and I discussed this. We knew we knew we were seeing the last of him in the playoffs, and uh, he's earned he's earned the promotion. Um, he really impressed. Cole Young. I would think Cole Young and Harry Ford both won't. I, no. I would be stunned if they're in Everett at the beginning of May. But they're not way. coming back. Harry Ford. Okay. Neither of them are coming maybe back. For of, maybe for a cup of coffee, but not long. Um. What about Michael Arroyo? Think we'll see him. Arroyo is probably. Yeah, he's probably going to be in Everett pretty soon. I mean, he spent most of the year at Modesto. He's got. He's got his feet wet, and he performed well. He struggled a little bit towards the end, but he's he's got his feet wet stateside. So uh, he'll set. He'll certainly see Everett this year. The guy that I'm interested in seeing how hard they push him is uh, Lazaro Montez, right? Yeah. I mean, um, what a what a monster! Uh, and the, the fact that he cleaned up his swing and miss so much in 2023 has me certainly convinced that he might be better than I was expecting, mm-hmm. uh, because he did show so much swing and miss. I still think he sees at least a month of Modesto before he goes to Everett. But you kind of get my what my, my, my drift here. Like Arroyo, Emerson, Pete, um, Montez, uh, Farmelo. Like you're going to see a lot of really, really good, exciting young prospects in Everett before the summer starts. So that's pretty cool. And and hopefully we don't lose them all like immediately to Arkansas like we did what two years ago or had it was the tale of two halves the first half of the season we had an amazing team with Julio and then the second half it was like everyone got promoted so we didn't really have much of an offense left or pitching yeah for I, that matter you didn't get very much Tyler Locklear up there did you because we did we did for the first until he got hurt um, yeah, that wasn't very long he got hurt in like. Late May or early June. I want to say early June. We 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 got enough of him to be very impressed. I, he was the next guy I was going to ask you about. Um, is he for real? We should we expect big things from him? I've I was very impressed with the guy, and uh, um, we interviewed him uh, for CS Sports Union, and uh, um, very nice guy. And I'm wondering, is he the future? Uh, is he Ty France's replacement someday? I think so. I mean, there there's certainly. If Ty France struggles this year, Seattle's going to weigh all their options for first base. And if Locklear is tearing the cover off the ball in Arkansas, or, or you know, maybe it's June 1st and they've tested him a little bit with Tacoma, uh, I think he's going to be up pretty soon. I He kind of reminds me a little bit of Kevin Euclid. Uh, okay. It's like the way, the way that he sets up at the plate. And I think he's probably a better hitter than he is a power hitter right now. But he's got certainly got more power than Ty France. So I, I think he's going to get a shot in 2024. I don't know if he's the future at first base, but he's got a lot of good, uh, a lot of good things going for him. He's very tooled up at the plate. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see what um, what he brings to the table. He's a good hitter. So they're already giving up on Evan White? 
the first baseman prospect? <laughs> You're asking me this question in 2023? <laughs> I thought you'd ask this question in 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I was thinking. I was thinking. But, I mean, like, he has the contract. How much longer uh, before they decide to, you know, uh, let him go? I mean, they might just, they might just shoot him to the moon now. Um, <clears throat> and I mean that respectfully. Like, I think he's owed – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there was like two years at twelve million per year each towards the end of his deal. I think we might be getting close to that. He um, has he's owed seven million next year. Seven million. I mean, nobody's gonna pick him up if you get rid of him. I mean, you can just I'll tell you one thing they're definitely gonna do is they're they're certainly going to DFA him. I, I can't even remember if he's on the forty man. Um, they might have already DFA'd him, but I would be stunned if he's on the 40-man through the end of the winter. I would, I would think they're going to DFA him. He'll end up a minor leaguer for Tacoma. And it's not that I've given up on him. I think you can have prospects that are 32 years old that you don't give up on. It's that I don't expect anything from him. Okay. Um, he's and, he's still on the sixty. He's on the sixty day DL, and he's uh, he is on the forty man. When you're designated for assignment, yeah, he, that he, means he won't be. He's free to yeah. He, he's free to sign elsewhere, right? No. So if you GFA someone, another team can claim him. Can claim as him because they keep him on the forty man. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I would be stunned, especially because he's given. There's been no sign that he's going to be fully healthy for spring training. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he is. You know, if he is, maybe it's a different story. But I would be stunned if another team elected to pay him $7 million as a lottery ticket, right? I mean, $7 million is a lot of money to claim a guy that you don't think is going to play. You, you don't know is going to play, and you don't want to be locked into that contract. So um, I'll tell you what's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen here in the next five days. Evan White is going to be DFA'd. He's going to clear waivers within six or seven days, and he's going to be reassigned to the minor leagues. They still owe him his full contract, so he's still going to get paid his full contract. Yeah. He's going to be a minor leaguer, and he will not be eligible to come up to the big leagues unless they made another roster move. So that's, that's, yeah, that's, there's, no way, there's no way he's going to hold a 40-man spot going into spring training. That There's no, no. shot. Going back in my brain, I, I think I remember there's something called Rule Five, and that's what yeah. he would be if he signed to another team. Rule Five oh, so, is yeah, different. Okay, what is? What's the difference? Rule Five is if you are a high school player that got drafted, and you have not been added to the forty man roster within five years of your draft date, you are what's called unprotected from the rule five draft, which means another team can pick you up and give you a shot at their 40 man roster. Uh, You can also look at it from a college point of view. If a guy gets drafted, uh, they have four years from the date that they're drafted out of college. If they're not added to the 40 man roster, another team can claim them. So who was drafted in 2019? George Kirby. Actually, it would have been 2020. uh, There was 2020. 2021, 2022, and the 2023 season. So yeah. any college guys that Seattle drafted in 2020, which would be – I mean, it was a shortened draft, so I don't really know. I mean, that was the Hancock draft. He's already on the 40, man. But you get my point. The point the is Evan White, Evan White was already added to the 40, 
and he was already provided a major league contract. So uh, he yeah. doesn't. Thanks for that. Ex- thanks for that explanation because a lot of people forget back in the you know b- back in the seventies before then they had what's called the reserve clause, and baseball teams could just sit on a guy and if they don't want to ever bring him up, they don't have to. So that's definitely one thing that's better about baseball nowadays. Actually, now that I think about it, um, I don't even have to look it up. Uh, with the Rule Five draft, Zach Deloach was drafted yeah. in the second round in 2020. So he, if he's not added, yeah, if he's not added to the 40-man roster before November, I don't even know the date. I think it's November 8th, November 9th, then another team can claim him, draft him in the uh, Rule 5 draft. But the kicker is they have to keep him on the 40-man roster, on the active roster, all year. And The drafting team, not, not the Mariners. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a team keeping Zach Deloach on their Major League Baseball team for a full year. It's just, he hasn't played yet. You want to get a, a, a great example of a past Mariner that we did that with? Um, do you remember Luis Dugueto? Yep. Oh, yeah. He was a Rule 5 pick. He had to be on our roster the whole year. We carried him the whole year, 2002. Hey, if you're a terrible team, I can't believe Luis Ugueto survived 2002 with the Mariners. That was a good team. Hey, I was I was there for his only home run. It was in Anaheim. Um, <laughs> if you're a bad team and you don't have a 40-man crunch, you can sneak guys through yeah. all year on your on your active roster, especially like a utility shortstop or a hard-throwing reliever. Like You can just kind of bury him. Um, right. You can't bury a guy like Zach Deloach. Right on. He offers nothing if he doesn't hit. So, well, yeah. you know, we had a big conversation about Teasco Hernandez. I think you're the right guy to ask. We're talking about uh, talking about money with Evan White. If they offer Teasco, Matt, what, what was the number you said? Twenty twenty point five, I believe, is the projected number for a qualifying offer. Ooh, I find that hard to stomach. You think we should offer it to him? Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they won't but i would be stunned if they did um that's a lot of money the reward the reward for offering someone a qualifying offer is a a draft pick and it's not a particularly lucrative draft pick like if seattle were to offer teoscar hernandez a draft or a qualifying offer he declines it and someone signs him for let's say a you know 40 million dollar deal they would get like the 77th or 78th picking the draft. I mean, it's not nothing, but the risk of having to pay Teoscar Hernandez $21 million when you're trying to reshape the chemistry of your lineup, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense for Seattle. So I anticipate they're going to let him walk. You're something you're right. Need that $20 million towards someone hey, I mean, like, look, at the end of who the fits day, the roster better. Seattle, I, I don't think I don't think it's the end of the world if they did offer him the qualifying offer and he accepted it. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez wasn't awful this year. No. He wasn't worth $21 million, No. $20 million or whatever. But also, you'd be going into – I mean, you pretty much lock yourself into 2024 with another lineup with that amount of strikeouts. I mean, that's not something that you – what you want to do. So, hey, he, he's a fine player. Yeah. You can't have so many Teoscar. You can't have Suarez and – Hernandez. So I think that's kind of the issue here. Yeah. 
400 strikeouts between them two. Between the two yeah, I, I mean, I agree he's a good player. He's just not maybe worth $20 million and uh, he's just not a fit for the roster. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, and I just I don't think the 77th pick in the draft is worth the risk, personally. Um, and I'm a draft guy, and I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, last time you were on the show, you told us about uh, about an uh, East Asian baseball player drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Arjun Namala. Uh, any yeah. any word out of uh, his progress? Well, he's. I mean, the crazy thing about Namala is um, he's incredibly. He's way younger than Colt Emerson. I mean, he he didn't turn eighteen until I think this month. He played the entire you know short season with Toronto there as a 17 year old, um, he scuffled a little bit, you know, he's, he, he's going to be a project, but, um, I, he went, you know, 20th overall or whatever to Toronto. He, he showed some flashes. He's going to put on some weight. So, uh, nothing really to report there, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to track his story because it's, a, it's an amazing story. Um, mm-hmm. just getting his feet wet though. Okay. So we'll be in rookie league for a little while then. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't even know if he's going to be like. I don't even know if he's going to be with the Toronto version of Modesto, like Low A, to start the year. He might start the year at at the complex level and then you know go to Low A and uh, I don't know early May. There's just no rush, you know. He's going to be 18 all year too. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about another another young player, um, the Vanilla Missile, uh, Walter Ford himself. Uh, any idea when we might be able to see him coming up to Everett? Brian and I are eager to interview him in person. Yeah, yeah, in person. Yeah, he's he's a. I interviewed him in high school. He's a great kid. He's um mm-hmm. he's well spoken. He's uh, hungry. Um, he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, I think with with Walter, he had some nagging injuries this year that slowed him down. It took him on and off the field a, a bit. It affected his velocity. It affected his pure stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, this is a big winner for him to be to just get stronger. Um, you know, he's still he's still really young, too. I think he j- just turned 19. So, um, yeah, he was drafted 17. Yeah. 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 So I mean, <clears throat> it's crazy to think he's been in the organization now for two seasons. If you count his draft year, yeah. he's still barely he's still going to be a teenager for all of 2024. So, um, no, to answer your question, some bumps and bruises. Um, some general soreness. Walter needs to put on weight. He needs to get stronger. And I think the stuff that we saw in high school will come back. His velocity was down. His stuff was down. Uh, but I think it'll come back with, uh, with with reps. So maybe by the end of the year, we might get a uh, brief glimpse of him or or 2025? You know, Modesto. I think they want to get some confidence back in him. I think you could see him in July. Okay. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Maybe I can maybe I can buy some merch. He uh, he he's already you know he's been selling for the you know when he was drafted he already had a website up selling vanilla missile merch. <laughs> it is a pretty epic nickname. It is. Yeah. Is Did you guys ever figure out why he's called that? He's white and he throws the ball really. Hard. Yeah, I mean it's just one of those things. It just makes sense and you don't really think about it. Yeah. Um. I, I, <laughs> uh anyway um so brian brian has a uh, has a question for you um we have a long history here at seattle sports union of interviewing the catchers 
uh, for the Aqua Sox, and because Brian was a catcher in high school, and um, from what I understand, uh, you know, if he had if he'd seen that car coming, and you know, he, he wouldn't have ruined his knees, and you know, he totally would have been a professional catcher and uh, Hall of Famer. But uh, we always interview. We we always interview uh, the catcher, and uh, we have a history of interviewing the catcher, and then like a month later, he gets traded. So this year, I refused to let him interview Harry Ford. Um, but he is he, so he uh, he gave me a question. He wrote us some questions beforehand. He wants to know uh, if we can get a nice haul for Harry Ford when we trade him. Oh man, that's a tough question. I mean, um, catching prospects in the low minors are such a tough uh, demographic to like throw value on. It just takes mm-hmm. one team to kind of fall in love with the fall in love with the prospect. But here's where I'm at with Harry. Uh, he hasn't yet shown that he is a surefire catcher. Yeah. And he's I agree. also never played anywhere else on the field. So Seattle's kind of cornered themselves into a weird hole. Like, are you ever going to give him a shot at third base, at second base, at center field, left field? Like, are you going to give him the opportunity to show his versatility? I don't think they want to do that because I think they genuinely believe he can catch. And if he can catch, obviously his value is going to be sky high. Yeah. In terms of what they could get for him, I don't think they're in a huge rush to move him. I mean, um, I think the idea of platooning um, Cal Raleigh and and Harry Ford is pretty exciting. Um, But... I just don't know if there's any teams out there. I'll put it this way. In the, in today's baseball environment where there's not a lot of teams like looking for prospects because with the added <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks they have a shot. I mean, right. even, um, even the nationals right now are like, you know, if things broke the right way, they weren't terrible this year. Yep. Um, so even the Royals, I mean, the Royals won, they lost over a hundred games and you, they probably are sitting there like, Oh, if Vinny Pasquantino and MJ Melendez come back and are better. Maybe we're good. Like, there's just not a lot of teams looking to trade major league talent strictly for prospects. What I think is more likely is a team wants Bryce Miller, and they're looking to like, like if you were the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Pirates wanted Bryce Miller and Jared Kelnick and Harry Ford, like he's probably a secondary piece. In a deal, but you're not going to see yeah. Harry Ford moved by himself. I don't think for an impact bat. I almost feel I like think. I could be wrong. I almost feel like Cal Raleigh is the one that we would trade over Harry Ford. Um, I, I don't know if he signs another contract with this team. Being a, a Scott Boris client, and yeah, but yeah. do you know how difficult it is to find a good catcher? Like, I mean, a good catcher. I mean, an impact catcher. Cal Raleigh is one of the top five or six catchers in the game, defensively and offensively. And you have him for four or five more years. I don't think there's any – and he's also the heartbeat. He and JP are the heartbeat of that team. I don't think there's any way they move Cal Raleigh, at least now. No, not now. uh, For anything. Now, could they move him in July of 2026? Yeah. But no shot they're moving him now. And by then, Harry Ford might be gone. So, Are you saying there isn't a 54% chance we could move him? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I will say that. <laughs> the, the fact that everyone blew up on that, and it was such a 
dumb thing for Jerry to say out loud. But everyone also knew what he was trying to say. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. The Diamondbacks yeah, no. won fifty-one. The Diamondbacks won fifty-one percent of their games this year. You know, well, the, and then, the Rangers, the Rangers won fifty-four point eight. Like you yeah. know what he's trying to say, you just don't say it out loud. Yeah, he 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 phrased and and represented himself poorly. That's really what I'm saying. Is like I understand what he's saying. Yeah. He just said it poorly, and um I, I i found out like the next day or day day ago or whatever uh, dusty baker he's going to be a hall of fame manager he only won 54 percent of his games you know? oh my god if you're a manager for your career and you win 54 percent of your games you're, you're gonna, awesome i mean yeah it, you're gonna go to the world Series. i mean look at some of the teams that have won the world series over the last few years like the Atlanta Braves snuck in to the playoffs as the wild card, and I think they won like 90 or 91 games that year. It was 54 and a half, 55%. Yeah. Uh, the Royals won uh, won their World Series as the wild card. I think they won 88 or 89 games, 53 and a half percent, 54%. Um, the Diamondbacks go to the World Series, 51%. Like, I get it. I understand what he's trying to say, but he had to say it like, our goal every year is to win 110 games and win the World Series. But if we want to make this thing sustainable and win like 54% of our games over the course of 15 years, we're going to go to a few World Series. Like you say it like that. You don't say our goal is to win 54% every year. It's like, damn, that is sad. It's, it's not just sad. It's, it's kind of reckless for a president of a baseball team to state. And I think that's where people, including myself, get get annoyed is he doesn't, you know, in that moment, and I think still today, he did he doesn't get it, you know, that the fans want to hear we're gonna do everything that we can yeah. to win next year. Uh, I can tell you, Abr- I, I can tell you he gets it. I've spoken, No, I've he does Jerry, I've spoken with Jerry twice since that. I know he gets it. And I know – I don't need to apologize for Jerry, but I know he's remorseful for what he said. He he is ashamed from what he said. He gets it. But the way his brain works is, is, is hyperdrive analytic. Yeah. And he tries to um, – Jerry tries to give evidence – with his thought process through numbers and any chance that he can, he, he likes to make it known that he's the smartest guy in the room. Even if he doesn't know that he's doing it, he's embarrassed though. He's remorseful about it. Um, and yeah, for a guy that's generally really good at the PR shtick media side of things, he, he blew it. Totally blew it. Definitely. Well, you know, the, the average, the average fan doesn't seem to realize that the most winning team of all time only won sixty percent of their games. Yeah, but the the average yeah. the average fan I mean, doesn't care either about the percentage. Um, well, that was the Mariners in two thousand one. It was like yeah, a sixty percent. I understand that the average, the average fan, fan also doesn't, doesn't realize the that the average fan also doesn't realize that fifty four percent is eighty nine or ninety wins. Yeah, which is I, I mean it's not like like that gets you in the playoffs probably 60% of the time 90 wins it didn't get them over the hump this year but i think when you hear 54% out loud and you put a, and you put it in like a like an nfl like oh your goal is to go 9 and 8 every year that's great yeah. when you think of it like that or the nba you know oh your goal is to win i don't really do the nba but <laughs> 5 and 
45 and 41 or so 45 and 39. When you, when you think of it like that, it doesn't make any sense. But when you say our goal is to win 90 games every year and give us our skills, give ourselves a shot, it, it's passable. But the way I don't think Jerry could have possibly phrased his thought process any worse in that press conference. And then he's, you know, adding on that the fans should thank us for, oh. for, for taking this approach. Like, just Ooh, digging that know. hole deeper. Putting Why was there nobody there to like, put some oh tape goodness. on his mouth? <laughs> just a PR person runs in and tackles him from off screen. Exactly. I think another big problem too, from a fan perspective, is uh, he he is the only voice we hear, and the ownership uh, doesn't pipe up. And I mean, this is a this is just kind of an anger at everything in a Mariner, you know, with a Mariner logo from the fan. Fandom. It doesn't seem to be. Um, it, it's it's odd because the fans take Cal Raleigh and JP Crawford's side over anything that management or ownership have to say, and uh, sometimes that's not always true. You know, some, often the fans turn on the players, but not this time. And there's plenty more that players confused. could have done this year. I don't. Well, you're right. The fans yeah. know who to blame because. Like, yeah. who do you blame? Like, Julio Ownership? was terrible. Julio was terrible in September. And there yeah, were some was. fans that were really upset about that. And Teo was awful in September. And there were fans that were really mad at, at Teo. Ownership hasn't spent for the last six years. and there's That's the real source. reason to be mad about that. But Jerry also hasn't outright come out and said, like, hey, we are strapped to the resources that were provided. Like, he hasn't gone back on on ownership he always says we have the support to do whatever we want and if you're gonna say that which i mean that's what ownership requires him to say but if you're gonna say that people look at you so yeah it's tough like on one hand jerry's done a pretty good job with a 138 million dollar payroll but on the other hand Tommy Lastella was the designated hitter this season. Yeah. yeah. Both of those, like both of those things can be true. So um yeah, listen, I think we're just kind of getting to the point. I, I'm a I'm a guy that has never told people how to spend their own money. And that applies to it applies to billionaires for me too. Like I'm not a bootlicker billionaire type of guy, but I do think John Stanton has the right to spend his money however he wants, just like fans have the right to spend their money at the ballpark and, and through tickets however they want. Um, but all of that being said, if they don't spend this off season, it doesn't seem like the organization and ownership is committed, fully committed to winning. And I don't think you can totally put that on Jerry. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree with yeah. that. But last year, wasn't last year the year to get the free agents? It, yeah, it kind of well, it was the year that they were supposedly going to open the wallet because, you know, when we'll spend, we're saving money now because we'll spend when the time is right and the window opens. Well, the window opened. And then, yeah, like you said, Tommy Lestara was our DH. Yeah, yeah I mean, they tried. They, they really did try. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people. They tried on Chris Bryant. They tried on Trevor Story. They tried on Marcus Semien. They, they had discussions about some other play. Like, they tried. And those players ultimately didn't want to come to Seattle or in the case of like Chris Bryant and Trevor Story, they were offered money that was ludicrous, outrageous for the the circumstances that they're in. And, and 
as you can tell, that money horribly spent. Um, those are terrible contracts. So, how many games has Chris Bryant played since he signed that deal? I, dude, it, that's not even the biggest issue <laughs> with the Chris Bryant deal. Not only was he overpaid, but the guy had ground beef for a shoulder, and yeah. his body was just deteriorating. And Colorado elected in the biggest outfield in the world to put him in left field full time. He was always going to break down before he even got going. So that was a an entire philosophical failure by Colorado. In two seasons, he's played 122 games. And how many home runs does he have? Like 12? Um, he's got 15. Yeah, I mean, that's awful, that Coors. Um, yeah. And he's got five more years. So, no, but bringing it back, Seattle tried. It's not like Absolutely. they try. I think they regret not going a little bit harder. And you guys have had Jason Churchill on the show. He and I yes. agree tooth and nail. We agree entirely. Seattle failed to go get the the rentals, the two-year, the three-year, the yeah. shoot. I mean, the Mitch Hanegers, the Michael Confortos, the Justin Turners, the J.D. Yeah. Martinez, the Mark Cannas. They failed in that market. And I don't think Seattle needs Matt Chapman or Shohei Otani or this guy or that guy. They need those two-year players that can fill holes in a lineup. Now, Sam Haggerty started so many games in left field this year. Why? Why was that not Mark Canna? Why was that not Michael Conforto? Why was that not, you know, name your two-year $36 million guy? That's my issue with uh, what the Seattle Mariners have done, and I think they have to rectify that this year. That's been a problem since Willie Bloomquist. I liked Willie Bloomquist as a bench player, but why, did he, why was he starting 400 games? And it's yeah. the same thing with, like, Dylan Moore, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with Abraham Toro. Like, there's been too many players within this organization that are labeled utility guys that are supposed to play three or four different positions. They're supposed to play twice a week. And you look at fan graphs in September, and they have 415 plate appearances. And you're like, what <laughs> happened? Why is Sam Haggerty – why is Sam Haggerty – our platoon against left-handed pitching in what universe and there were no injuries mind you the, right. he, he would the seattle mariners did not get injured into a sam Haggerty is the platoon against left hand they just didn't have another option aj yeah. pollock failed aj pollock failed yeah pollock failed and it was Haggerty. yeah and that is a problem what do, you um, think about, what do you think about first base? Do you think yeah. we should start looking for Ty France's replacement this offseason? Well, it might be Tyler Locklear. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Seattle should be open to ideas. Um, the, the idea that I love is, and I, there's not a lot of people that agree, that agree with me with this idea, but whatever. I don't care. Um the idea that I like is you 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 sign uh, one of these free agent pitchers, be it a Michael Waka, be it a Yamamoto, I, I don't care who it is, Jordan Montgomery, and I think you trade Bryce Miller to the Baltimore Orioles for Heston Kerstad and someone like you know Joey Ortiz, or maybe you 
you know, maybe you could do, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the package would look like, but if you could somehow pull Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo or Heston Kerstad and Jordan Westberg from the Orioles for Bryce Miller and, you know, they can add in a couple more pieces. That's the move that I like because there's that, there's that'd be Harry Ford's there. trade. I don't think so because <laughs> I know I know I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, but so you know maybe it's Emerson. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I the point is I think there's a deal to be made between the Orioles and the Mariners between Bryce Miller and Heston Kerstad. I know Heston Kerstad isn't a proven player yet, but that is a left-handed hitting first baseman with serious impact potential who Seattle's familiar with. They drafted him in the 37th round in, in 20, uh, 2019. Um, so that's what I would do if, if you wanted to, you know, take a shot on someone. And I think he immediately becomes your everyday first baseman uh, against right-handed like, pitching. Why do you like Bryce Miller as a trade token rather than Logan Gilbert? I mean, you That's get four question. more years of Logan Gilbert. You get four more years of Logan Gilbert, and I think if you're looking at competing in 2024, it's hard to see a clear path to competing how you want to compete if it's Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and then, you know, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. You know, that that's – to me, that is – two really good arms and then two guys that still have some question marks. And then after that, you know, it's Emerson Hancock, it's Marco Gonzalez. It's waiting three months for Robbie Ray. It's um, I think you're just threading the needle a little bit there. And granted you could get more and the offense would, would improve, but uh, I think you keep the homegrown pitcher and you keep, you know, arguably one of the top two or three rotations in the American league. And you try to move one of these rookies that has some teams interested. Um, I, so I'll also, I'll, also yeah. this. I'll also say, I, I also don't think like you could change my mind by showing me the trade that would happen, but like Logan Gilbert for, you know, Nolan Gorman and Tommy Edmond and like, I don't know. Like there's not a whole lot of trades that you could show me. Now, if you were to say Logan Gilbert for like Luis Robert and, you know, something interesting there. I'm listening. But I just don't I think there's love Luis slam dunk trades. Oh my I god, too. I love Luis Robert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would too, but there's not a lot of slam dunk deals involving Logan Gilbert that I would think Seattle is better because of it. So looking at the free agent market and you know, obviously you have in your mind you you, you want to make a big trade. Um, but looking at the free agent market, there's one name that consistently catches my eye and makes me think. I'm wondering what your thoughts are regarding Jung-Hoo Lee from the Korean League, who's going to come over and, and uh, be an outfielder for the uh, for somebody and would sign a major league contract. I guess he's not he's he's eligible for a real contract. He wouldn't be the uh, the minor league situation. So you'd have to pay him. Uh, I'm curious if you if you know much about him or you like the idea. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to hit. He's definitely going to hit. I, I like the idea of him. I probably don't love the um, I probably don't love the contract that he's going to end up getting yeah. because it is a weaker free agent market. Like someone's going to pay him a lot of money. Keep, you know, keep in mind the the KBO is is like the equivalent to double A. Yeah. So the guy the guy might be hitting 320, 330, but 
I've seen a lot of players hit 320 double A and be bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I say this: the fact that Asian Kim has been so good for the Padres is going to get this kid paid. And I don't know if I want to be the the team that gives him the big contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I tell you what, I think I would rather try and put together a, a package to trade for Hassan Kim. To be honest with you. Okay, very cool. Uh, there was a question that Brian Solak wanted to ask you, and will you be teaming up with uh, Jason Churchill uh, on some podcasts coming up? Yeah, we podcast every every Thursday or every other – what is it? It's every Thursday, sometimes Friday, for the FSS Plus podcast, and we talk all things baseball. Uh, we're going to be jumping into uh, the, the off-season right now, the hot stove, uh, some different ideas. I mean, this last podcast um, last week – we talked about the idea for 20 minutes of, of what it would look like if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got traded from Toronto. What? So, Are you what? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's a really it's a. Would that happen? It's a listen. No, it would never happen. Yeah. Well, hold on. <laughs> Let me give you the short version. Okay. All right. So Vladimir Guerrero's got two years left on his deal. Two years of control. He's going to make 55 million dollars in those years. He's a bad first baseman. He's a bad base runner. He's gotten worse at the plate two years in a row. He was essentially what Mitch Hanniger in 2022 was at the plate for Toronto. He was worth like 1.5 war. He, I, I mean, Toronto is in a position where they have got to figure out a way to pay for both Bo Bichette and Vlad. And I think they're going to ultimately move one. I think they have to move on. I don't think you can commit $65 million per year to Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero at the same time. So because of that, I think if there's an obvious one that's going to get moved, it's Vlad. Am I one winter early? Probably. Um, But I think the possibility certainly exists. It's an intriguing possibility. And yeah, I mean, if you trade him now, you'd have more value than a year from now. And then I guess Bo Bo plays um, shortstop, so you want to keep the defense, right? Yeah, you keep the shortstop. You have to keep the shortstop. And, and Bo's really gotten better year after year. Um, homegrown, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question. If you if you're gonna give thirty five million dollars a year to someone or thirty two million dollars a year to someone, it's Bo. You don't give it to the first baseman. It's the same reason. It's the exact same reason. Um, uh, what's his name? Pete Alonso isn't going to get more than. 25 million a year. He's a first baseman. I'm cool with paying that. Any chance Mariners can get Peter? <laughs> no, no, no. He's not coming to us. He's not going to be able to hit the home runs and the numbers that he, he does at, at, at a T-Mobile. That's why I'm in favor of going and trying to acquire Heston Kerstad from the Orioles. He's left-handed. Uh, he's got six years of control. I mean, shoot, like I know Seattle was burned once by trying and going and getting that left-handed hitting mashing first baseman and Justin Smoke. Smoke wasn't terrible, but I mean that's the deal that I think you go make. Uh, it's the yeah. deal that I would try to go make. Did did uh, did the deal with Justin Smoke? I mean, on paper that seemed like a good idea at the time. Are you saying that kind of just in retrospect that wasn't? Uh, the right 
Cal, right? No, I think. No, I think that was a. I think that was a great move. Okay, um, I misunderstood. Did, you. I misunderstood you. Did, okay. did they trade a year and a half of of Cliff Lee, or was it just a rental? I think it was a rental. That was. Was it Cliff just Lee three was months, or was it a year and a half? Well, yeah. anyways, you got a, a, a borderline top one hundred prospect, a left-handed hitting first baseman with a ton of raw power, and you got Blake Bevin, and you know. Ultimately, that's a number five starter and uh, a guy that was a solid, not spectacular first baseman for, um, I think it was just three months of Cliff Lee. And I think that's a sound deal. And I think if Seattle wanted to do something similar by moving someone like a Brian Wu or a Bryce Miller for a Heston Kerstad and a Joey Ortiz or a something like that, I would be all for it. Okay, I gotta I gotta listen to your podcast <laughs> about this. Uh, I think we all do. I am super super interested yeah, in that. that. My initial reaction was way negative, but uh, you're turning me around on it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen, and whoever does it would have to really, really overpay. But if you're Seattle, for example, and the cost was 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 Bryce Miller and Ty France and. Um, you know, Gabby, uh, Gabby Gonzalez, like, I think they probably listen. Uh, I don't know if it happens, but you know, that's kind of where it has to start. And those podcasts are on the future star series.com. They're at, uh, you can find them at Apple. You can find them at Spotify FSS plus. Great. And then you, you write as well. Where, where can that's the future stars at the future star series.com. Okay. Yes, sir. Future and then also we can, find you at, we can find you at various minor league ballparks, can't we? You can. Yeah, you're probably going <laughs> to see me at Everett a few times this upcoming year. Probably later in the year. I, I don't know if it's, it might be a little bit of a, an anemic roster there in uh, in April and May. But, yeah, you'll see me up there. You'll see me at Tacoma. You'll see me at T-Mobile. Uh, if you're ever at any of those ballparks, shoot me a text. I'll grab a beer with you. I do it a lot. I love it. At, finish the show off with this. Have you been to the Hillsboro Hop Stadium yet? You know, I have not been to the Hop Stadium, and I'd really like to make it down there this year. They—that's the Diamondbacks. Um, yeah, it's the former stomping grounds of Corbin Carroll, but uh, it might—they they might lose the team, though. That's a whole other topic. Yeah, I, I actually—I I meant to get down there uh, this past year to see Jordan Lawler before he got called up, but um, the Hops are a cool team. The stadium's really nice, and I hope. Uh, I believe Everett's going to build a new stadium uh, with the help of the city of Everett. Um, and I, I hope the new That's, stadium looks something yeah. like that because it's really nice. I wish, the, I wish the city of Everett had nothing to do with that. I think Oh, you I got think a bad John feeling? Stanton should have to pay for that. No, no. Oh, no, yeah, no. Mariners should Mariners should kick in a big chunk. Yeah. I mean, if the Seattle Mariners contractually own the Everett Aquasox and, and Modesto, you know, it's no longer like these teams are no longer – like private enterprises that have contracts with teams like the Mariners own the Aqua Sox. And I think if the Mariners are benefiting from the product that the Aqua Sox are putting out there every year, you should have to kick in for stadium renovations. But I got to tell you, man, that stadium sucks. Like I really hope the renovations improve because that stadium sucks. I would. I, what is I, it like? Three hundred and sixty feet to center field. Like it's. Bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. It's a weird field, and the facilities for the players is 
absolutely terrible. It's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's time for an update. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Well, um, other th- other than uh, you know, other than the stadiums and obviously futurestarseries.com, uh, we're can, we're heading towards the end of our show here. And I'm just curious, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me at mostly only Twitter or X, I guess. It's Joe Doyle M I L B, and then um, I got a plug. Oh. Like, if you're into the draft and if you're into prospects. Uh, my Patreon has been ripping for about a year and a half now. It's over slot. It's patreon.com slash over slot. Um, and I'd love to have you subscribe and, and listen in over there. That's it's a, it's a weekly show that jumps into specifically prospects and, and college and high school baseball. Excellent. And as you are accustomed to, we do a shout out at the end of the show every week. Um, do you have anybody, anybody you'd like to give a shout out to? Yep. Going to do a shout out to my little brother and his wife. They are expecting their first child this week. So I'm nice. excited oh. to meet little, meet little Liam. Wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, congratulations to them. And I'm going to give, yeah. a, I'm going to give a big shout out to uh, uh, my friend, uh, Maria, who uh, just connected with me, with me on Facebook and I hadn't seen her in years. And so it's great to have, uh, a connection back with her. How about you, Matt? I'm going to give a shout out to my sister whose birthday uh, we celebrated just yesterday. And uh, here's another year and uh, being older than me. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us yet again on the Seattle Sports Union podcast and keep in touch with us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, the X, I guess it is now. At Seattle Sports Union as well. Check us out on our newly redesigned website at seattlesportsunion.com. Keep listening to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Captivate FM, and now on North Beach Community TV, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. on Channel 68 on the Washington Coast. Uh, once again, we thank you, Joe Dilke, for joining us this week, and thank you to Brian and Solvay and Solak on the boards and that damn dirty duck, Matt Page. On behalf of all those guys, my name is Abraham Deweese, and we'll see you guys next time. All right.